hey, this is a future of what single. If you want to get the whole thing, visit our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what. We're talking to Kevin Erickson of the Future of Music Coalition. Let's talk for a second about some of the specific issues. For example, you talk about in your post that you guys did a joint piece of research in 2013 to discover how many musician respondents to your survey were uninsured, and you found that 53% were uninsured, and that was in 2013, prior to the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. Did you guys have any statistics on how many musicians ended up becoming covered? You know, we can only speak to that anecdotally because since the act passed, it's been difficult to get funding to replicate the research. Mm. But that is a really interesting research question. Anecdotally, we know that the Affordable Care Act was in, intended to target just this population, low-income, self-employed individuals and their families. It's a lot of musicians fall in that category. And anecdotally, lots of my friends and peers were able to get insurance for the first time aren't able to put numbers on it at this yet as we find ourselves defending the law now. Maybe that'll change and maybe we can find the right foundation and we'll step up to fund that research. Definitely, because I, I have the same experience as you. Anecdotally, I have a lot of people report that they have had insurance under the Affordable Care Act for the first time. But that's, you know, musicians in particular are an extremely vulnerable population to being uninsured because as we know, as recently as three years ago, a lot really were. And it's difficult in the, the way the market operated in the past. So that's a really interesting, the word interesting is maybe not appropriate. That is a frightening prospect if the Affordable Care Act is gutted or repealed or whatever it is that they say they're going to do with it for musicians, because that, you know, that places them right back in the same boat that they were just four years ago. Right. Back in the same places, extreme precarity. I think that there's, if there's anything like comforting that I can offer around that, it would be that in the same way that the Affordable Care Act took a couple of years to actually implement and ramp up after it passed, it'll take a couple of years to dismantle. And so in the meantime, we're entering an open enrollment right now. And what we're telling people is go ahead and sign up, get a plan, even if it only covers you for the next year or two, it's better to be covered for the next year or two. And the other thing is that if, if indeed action happens in Congress, either through the reconciliation process or through standalone legislative efforts to roll back the substantive parts of Obamacare, there will be political consequences for that. You can't repeal a program that's actually helping people and not suffer some political consequences for that. So there will be opportunities to hold those people accountable. And at that point, we might be able to stem the tide, you know. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you bring up in your post that I, I thought would be a great chance for us to have you explain is net neutrality. Can you just sort of give an overview of that for people who know the term but don't really understand it? Right. So net neutrality is sort of fundamental to the idea of the Internet. The infrastructure of the Internet treats all of the data that travels across it the same. So internet service providers are required to treat your content or your data the same as any other originator of content or data, rather than creating fast lanes or slow lanes. In terms of music, it means like the tiniest cassette label, the internet works as well for them as it does for One Direction. It means that artists whose careers increasingly are dependent on 
the internet and connectivity and the ability to reach potential audiences have at least a fair shot at competition online. And so their ability to reach those audiences isn't, is, you know, hopefully dependent upon a competitive marketplace rather than just a relationship with whatever corporation or whatever corporate partnership would happen between an, an internet service provider and, I don't know, a major label or something like that. And so musicians and independent labels and other art supporters had backed this concept of net neutrality for a long time, even before the term net neutrality was made up, and fought really hard for tough net neutrality rules. For more than a decade, there's been legal battles over it. I went to the courts, went to the FCC. Finally, in February 2015, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, voted to approve net neutrality rules, which invoked Title II of the Communications Act, which basically gave them strong, forceful authority to actually make this the rules of the road. There have been a bunch of congressional attempts to roll that back or to block the new rules. There are many in Congress that take the ISP line that if, if the internet service providers can make more money by creating fast lanes and slow lanes, they should be allowed to do that, regardless of the impact on competition. But because of the threat of the presidential veto, those attempts to roll that back haven't gotten anywhere. And now we don't have that protection anymore. Donald Trump has been pretty forthright about his opposition to net neutrality. He appeals to these sort of vague free market principles. His transition team point person on technology issues has been Jeffrey Eisenach, who's the guy from the American Enterprise Institute, which is a big elite Republican think tank. And his previous clients include people like Verizon, you know, just the kinds of companies that have a lot to gain from throwing net neutrality rules out the window. So that's a pretty clear threat at this point. Now, it could happen through congressional action or just through the people that Trump appoints to the FCC that these protections start to be ruled back. But there's going to be opportunities for musicians to speak out about that, to continue to make the case that they've made for the last 10 years because the FCC is built on process and data gathering. They are required to have public comment periods and they're required to respond to public commentary. And so when we get to that point, there's going to be need to be a, a renewed push from the entire music community. You know, and net neutrality alone is not going to give us what we need to build a, a fair Internet. Like it's, it's just sort of like the baseline that everything else is built on top of. But we need that baseline. Another issue that you don't mention in your post, but that has been coming up a lot lately, so it's on my mind, is the, the Department of Justice's whole thing that they're going through with the consent decrees. And, you know, the removal of Maria Palente as copyright registrar. And, you know, there's just a lot going on over over there right now. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, I don't have any particular personal faith that Donald Trump understands that or knows about it. But clearly he's going to at some point have to appoint somebody to be in charge of justice. So that could make a really big difference to musicians as well. That's true. Now, the thing with, with a post like the Department of Justice is... Those kinds of choices are not going to be motivated by an interest in these kinds of specific musician community issues. They're going to be, you know, we might end up with somebody who's great on those issues, or we might end up with somebody who knows nothing about them at all. It's just another another front that we're going to have to be watching closely. Fair enough. <laughs>
<laughs> We're going to have to be watching on a lot of fronts, it seems. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of juggling, a lot of vigilance, and a lot of pushing back. Uh, and I think that, and I think that musicians are, are uniquely equipped to do that. Luckily, that sometimes that these these processes can be really opaque and challenging. And just one one of the reasons I really appreciate the work that you do with the show uh, to to sort of illuminate the real world consequences of these things that are happening happening behind closed doors in Washington, because they do have impacts. It's going to be a while until we know more about what those impacts actually are, but. You know, we're going to we're just we're going to continue making the case and we're going to continue insisting that musicians have a place at the table. Well, on that note, (laughs) that was a a nice place to end. Kevin Erickson is the National Organizing Director of Future Music Coalition. Kevin, thanks again for being with us on The Future of What today. Thank you so much. Did you like what you heard? Then subscribe to The Future of What on iTunes. And thanks for listening. That was Another Genius Idea from Our Government by Erase Arata.